Hello everyone, and welcome back to Sentient Future. Today I'm sharing with you my interview of Alita McDaniel. Alita has been a life coach for over a decade, owns and operates her own holistic wellness center in California, and is passionate about helping people step into their true power. I thought this interview of Alita would be valuable to you as a showcase of someone who does her best to live intentionally. So without further ado, here's the interview. Enjoy! So hi everyone, welcome back to Sentient Future, and today we have a very special guest, Alita McDaniel, and she is a life coach, is that correct, Alita? That is correct. I was hoping that today you could share with us a little bit of what you do, and your views on things, and then perhaps we could look at how that uh, fits in with, or how it can be explained partly by the uh, the worldview that I also look at things with, largely the... Um, you know, the idea that you know, you're living intentionally, that you have your goals and that you, you've been able to, to work towards them and achieve them, and that that is inspiring to others and that those who share similar passions to you can learn from your lead here. So, uh, so thank you very, very much for, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So with that said, can you tell us a, bit, a little bit about yourself, please? Sure. Um, well, I've been in the coaching industry for about 13 years. I became a coach after I conquered obesity and chronic illness. I had fibromyalgia, basically genetic obesity, depression. I had battled with depression. I had been diagnosed by three different doctors to try to go on antidepressants. And it really just kind of, you know, it, it changed the course of my life because I just realized, you know, all of this stuff is my creation. And when after when I when I finally realized that I just I basically said you know what I'm I'm done with this I, I personally I'm a kind of a control freak or I was at the time and I thought you know if I'm giving inanimate objects like food or other people power over me I'm not really in control and so it really gave me the boost to just say enough was enough so I started as a personal trainer I I was in it for a couple of years and was realizing there was a lot more internal work that had to be done if I wanted my clients to see a lot of the results. And so when I started my first business in training, I kind of expanded a little bit more into the emotional, the spiritual, kind of quantum aspect of things. And I started really diving deep into teaching my clients about quantum physics, about the emotional patterns that create our triggers. And so I've been doing it ever since. I left full-time training back in about 2010 to focus mostly on holistic life coaching and and now uh, you know all of my for the most part most of my work is done by phone and Skype which is great I can work with clients wherever and my fiance and I co-own a holistic wellness center in Newport Beach in Southern California very cool and so I, I I love podcasting I'm in the process of launching a cooking show come really soon in the next few months and I'm just uh, I'm, I'm all about living a life that I never gave myself permission to live and showing other people that it actually is possible. That's wonderful. That That's so, so inspiring. So, you know, recognizing that our results, you know, sometimes require that deeper internal work first, the more, the more tangible, outwardly obvious results require the, the deeper, less obvious work up front. I was wondering if you might help us by starting to explain perhaps your, your why, and later we can go into your how and ultimately your what. Does that work? Sure, totally. My why changes on a consistent basis. Okay. Um, originally, my why was to break the depression. Um, when I got that diagnosis, I went to culinary school because I wanted to try to do something with my life that was creative, 
Uh, I was going to college at the time. I hated sitting in classroom uh, and having to learn at everybody else's pace. It was driving me nuts. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, and so I went to culinary school. I got a couple degrees while I was up there. I tell this story lovingly. It still, it always makes me giggle because I was running down the stairs in my, in my dorm room. As I'm, as I'm running down the stairs, I hear this horrible slapping noise. And I was like, oh my gosh, I hope nobody heard that. But that was like my thighs. <laughs> it was yeah. horrible in that moment. You know, I was like totally embarrassed. But, but I look back on that moment. And it was in that moment that I realized, you know, if I'm in culinary school to change my life and to find a way to make food healthy for me, yeah. then why am I not living and embodying the life that I will be trying to help others achieve? And it was, it was kind of in that moment that I really understood what I call leadership 101, which is walking the talk. Sure, so, yeah, absolutely. You know, on a daily basis, my why typically is how can I walk the talk more effectively so that I'm showing people what it's like to live what I'm teaching them rather than just preaching and preaching and preaching. So as a generic why, that's, that's pretty much my why. It changes from day to day. It changes from month to month. And spiritually, it changes consistently. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But ultimately, that's, you know, that was the foundation of what changed everything. Yeah, that, that's wonderful. And from what I have uh, gathered from even just the short time that I, I've been uh, fortunate enough to, to know you here through Anchor and listening to, you know, the passion with which you, you deliver your message, um, you know, it's obvious that it does come with a wealth of experience, that it does come from having been there. It does come from continuing to be there, right, in, you know, your efforts to, to live as you see fit, right? And I think for me personally, and I, I'd imagine very, you know, many other people, other listeners, uh, and, and of course your clients, that your reality is both inspiring and validating. And I think it certainly lends to the credibility of, of what you say, which makes all the difference. So thank you. That, that's wonderful. So, so that's your why. And I think that that's really powerful. So let's talk about your how. So before getting into necessarily the the specific advice or tools or techniques that you might use with your, your clients or within your own life to live out your why. What overall strategies do you, do you find? Like what types of things do you prioritize in your life that uh, help you get to where you want to be and, and continue to be where you want to be? Spiritual connectivity always has to be first and foremost for me. I found the term ascension intelligence is what what I what I aim for on a daily basis. So that to me is like first and foremost my strategy. I will have a client who comes to me say to change their nutrition or to better their relationship or to make more money. And in three to six months they're having this incredible spiritual awakening. They didn't come to me for what they thought was a spiritual awakening, but that that happens. Because to me mindfulness is the key to self-awareness and to better understanding anything that we're going through in life. Uh, I purposefully believe, I'm a huge, huge, huge uh, believer in quantum physics. And, you know, I I believe that the world around me is always, always reflecting back what I'm projecting. So, you know, if I am taking a mindful approach and I'm looking at if there's contrast and I'm taking ownership for where the contrast resides within me, then that helps me to better understand how I can show up differently and get a different outcome. And that's really what I teach my clients is you've got to, you've got to understand that at the fundamental core, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. And if we look at it from that perspective, we see life as this incredible gift that we have to calibrate the things that we want in life, to calibrate, you know, the things that we, we want to feel or experience or give to others and, and mindfulness 
understanding how things are playing out, understanding where we are co-creating this uh, is, is really at the fundamental core. I, I love that, right? And so I am admittedly new to that field, but you know, do subscribe to you know, a lot of the, the practical elements of it and you continue to, to learn and explore. So if I were to paraphrase in a way that sort of helps me better understand, you can tell me if this is accurate, it's that increased sense of, of awareness or, or mindfulness. Could you think of it as being more perceptive of what's around you? Possibly. I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday. So it would be like if I go through life, we, we talked about this yesterday, you and I, with regards to autopilot, yeah. right? So most of us go through life on autopilot. We're using the conditioning that's already in our brain to determine how we're going to respond, how we're going to feel, what emotions are going to be expressed. Right. The difference is, is that when we become mindful, we understand how that conditioning is taking control, where that conditioning is making the choices for us. Right. So, you know, we can, we can perceive it or we can observe it. I find oftentimes perception um, tends to be based on our current level of beliefs. Mm -hmm. But if we neutrally observe, then we take away those beliefs as the filter of how we're interpreting a situation. Right. And so we become a neutral observer to understand all of the facets of the current experience, including what beliefs we may be projecting into that experience. So if I were to revise my, my interpretation of it then based on or how you've explained it to me further here, it's you know recognizing that perhaps perception is not quite accurate because it acts as a filter or rather it, it inherently includes a filter of our beliefs, whereas if we're able to more neutrally observe what's going on around us and or pinpoint our either inherent or, or learned biases, right? if we're able to identify those, do our best to put them aside, and take in what's going on around us for what it is, no more, no less, right? Uh, not necessarily pass judgment on it immediately, that we get a, a pure, sort of less biased idea of what, what's going on. And only then with the whole picture are we able to, you know, to act on it appropriately. Is that yeah, better? Absolutely. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you think about it, our perceptions of reality put blinders on us. Sure. Yeah. And if we're looking at it from a quantum perspective, all potential realities exist within the universe. Okay. So it is, it is our filter of reality that determines which potentials we are able to access. But if we remove the blinders and we say that instead of me perceiving that this is all I have access to, I'm going to step out of that box. I'm going to step out of that identity and look at what other opportunities could be presenting themselves that I may not have been giving myself permission to explore or even acknowledge existed. I guess the thought that comes into my mind is its similarity to, to empathy in a sense that someone else's perceptions or their reality, that will be who they are or how they're perceiving the world and, you know, recognizing that us neutrally observing the What's going on around us, let's say they would see the same things as, as we do, but recognize that they don't necessarily, that all of these realities that do exist out there, one of them is, is ours or our perception. There are slivers uh, that are other people's uh, versions as well through you know their perceptions, their beliefs, their lenses, whatever you want to call it. And that 
beyond that, that there are many other realities that don't happen to be an individual's perception or necessarily their, their mindset or their view, but do exist. It is a, it is a possible way to, to look at and interpret what you're observing. Is that comparison to some degree of empathy and understanding other perspectives? Is that a reasonable parallel to draw? Kind of. I mean, if, if you really look at it, I think one of my old professors described sympathy and empathy as sympathy meaning I'm looking at the world through my eyes, and if I was in your situation, I would want to be treated the way I'm going to treat you. Okay. Right? So that's sympathy. Empathy is basically saying, look, it's, it's, it's absolute 100% unconditional compassion. I don't know why you're going through what you're going through. Right? I may be able to try to see what you're, what you see, but no, nothing that I can do will ever truly understand what you're going through because I have a different filter of perception than you have. So I'm going to sit with you and I'm going to, I'm going to maybe try to sort out these pieces with you, but I'm not going to assume that I understand what you're going through. I'm just going to sit with you and be with you and be compassionate for the fact that you are creating this experience. Right. Interesting. And so the direction that they ultimately take in their life is of their own choosing, I guess, as it always is. And it's less so about advice and more so about support. Correct. Okay, great. Well, that's, uh, that's making a lot of sense to me. And I can see how, you know, ultimately, you know, teach a man to fish type thing, right? This is giving other people the opportunity to practice creating the life that they want so that they don't ultimately see their support network as, as a crutch. Yeah. Well, free will, I think, is the one thing that we're all looking to achieve. Mm -hmm. I think we, we, have this, we have this belief that I'm making my own choices, but if we actually look at, and, and Kabbalah teaches this uh, in the, the spiritual study of Kabbalah, is they teach that while we think we have free will, we're being influenced by our tribe, by our family, by our, our community, you know, by society, by the media. And so while we think we're in control of our choices, we, we're actually not. So in, in understanding this divine acceptance, unconditional acceptance of me just saying, look, I'm not going to try to tell you how to live your life. I'm going to sit here and help support you as you go through it. That gives us more space to learn how to think for ourselves. Right. And w when we learn how to do that, that's when we understand what our true power is. But when we're constantly depending on other people to, you know, feed us while we're down or or be the motivation or be the upliftment or be that kind of quick fix happiness. You know, we, we never truly understand what free will is and, and we, we never fully understand how to embrace authenticity. Okay. I paraphrase only for my, my own understanding. Is that similar to recognizing that we are influenced that, that as far as our decisions are concerned we don't have exclusive control over them we have some choice but we also have biases that are introduced by our own experience by uh, media by family members that type of thing and that in supporting someone else but not necessarily advising them just being there for them and in, in whether it's a coaching or sort of friendship that you are giving them a greater percentage of control really over where they're they're going and that ultimately they can increase that as they become more comfortable observing their situation versus perceiving it as they become uh, more 
accustomed to identifying what biases or influences they, they might have and trying to perhaps reevaluate that for their for themselves. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of like giving them that much more of a taste of what control over their life and, and free will looks like by, by not imposing yet one more perspective on them. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah, accurate? Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Cool. So it, it would be, I, you know, I use this, I use this analogy a lot where, you know, if you, if you're in a seven course meal and you know, you get to the third course and it's like the best course you've ever had. Right. And you don't want to get rid of this plate because you want to remember it for the rest of your life. This is what we do with our identity, with our conditioning. We're like, oh, this is the best thing ever. I don't ever want to let it go. Right. And, you know, God, source, consciousness, you know, universal intelligence, whatever you want to call it, is like, hey, I've got the next course ready for you. It's going to be even better than number three. And you're like, no, but but can't I have it and hold on to this? And, and source is like, well, no, you can't. Like, you need to, right? But then now you've got your friend who's sympathetic going, oh, you can have it all. Oh, you deserve to have it all. Right. And they're influencing you to continue to stay locked in, right? So my job as a coach, your job as a, as a coach, or, or our job as a, as a friend, as someone who's truly empathetic is basically like, look, what do you feel is in the highest good? What would you bring them? What would bring you the most joy? You know, would you, would you like to continue to stay stuck in this or would you like to make room and try and experiment, you know? Right. So, um, so I think, you know, just, just simply having an analogy like that, I, I think that's, that's probably the best way to describe it. You liken it to people holding on to what they have cherished thus far and not perhaps being as open to a, a mindset of growth as they could be or as might, as they might ultimately enjoy. Exactly. Exactly. We keep each other down because we're afraid of change. Right, for sure. Human nature. <laughs> and, and, and that's why, you know, I, I'd imagine, and certainly for myself, you know, people like you are inspiring in that you are voluntarily changing and evolving and, you know, leading by example. I think it it helps break down people's walls or their resistance, perhaps, to change and realize, hey, maybe it isn't such a bad thing. Maybe the grass truly is greener, but I just won't know unless I've checked. Mm-hmm. 100%. So so we've talked about your why, we've talked about your how. Perhaps we could touch uh, briefly then on, on your what. What tactics do you use on a, on a regular basis, daily or weekly, you know, for, for yourself, your own, your own well-being, and that you use, I guess, in your advocacy for, uh, for well-being and others? Definitely meditation and journaling, for sure. Okay. Um, as, as a whole. Uh, I meditate with solfeggio frequencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a regular basis, and I actually listen to them all day long uh, because you know our body is a vibrational organism, and it runs on frequencies. So you know because like right now I'm I'm in an office um, and I have three computers in here. You know, so I've got computers and phones and all these plugs and cords and everything. So being exposed to all these EMFs. Um, not saying that, you know, that I'm a victim to them, but I know that from my past experience, I have had a, a habit of allowing things to distract me. Mm-hmm. So I can work completely silently, but when I put the solfeggios on, I can work straight for like 14 hours. Right. So that, that to me is, is huge because it helps to reset all those frequencies in my body. So I'm a huge proponent of that. Um, meditation in the grass, grounding yourself. That, to me, is absolutely 100% a necessity. Uh, there's something so powerful about the frequencies that come from the earth. And if we are not walking barefoot in the grass, in the sand, in the dirt, 
on a consistent basis, our body gets jarred, it gets out of alignment, it gets out of whack, and it makes room for disease to start to come in. So um, first and foremost, those. And journaling, I love to actually take not just what needs to be done, but also the med in, in the meditations, I get a lot of messages. So I journal all the things that I get in my meditations because these are, to me, they're gifts that I am being given that are not to be held to myself, but to share with the world. So it's like I'm taking, I'm taking a cue from that inner guidance and saying, how can I best serve the world? So I journal all of that. And then I take that and I share. Because if I don't share, then the energy that I receive or that I embody starts to shrink. So for me, I, I'm a firm believer that if there's something that you want, and I learned this from Bob Proctor, if there's something that you want in life, you have to go out and teach it. And the more I teach on spirituality, the more I teach on empowerment, the more I have of it. So it's, it really, it's, it's kind of like that cohesive kind of, you know, I have to sit and be still. I have to show others how to be still, right? And it's, a, it's like this constant, like, okay, I'm going to learn and then I'm going to show you. And I'm going to learn and I'm going to show you. So right. that's my practice. It seems like as far as, you know, sharing what it is that you come to you know, through your meditative practices is perhaps one of the few things that if you give away more of it, you actually end up with more, you know, yeah. as, as opposed to, uh, you know, you, you, you don't lose it by sharing, right? Um, right. You know, you grow. I, I liken it to, to love it, I guess, in a lot of respects too. And perhaps that's some way of showing love. If you show others love, I find that I've got more love in my own life uh, for, for myself and others as a, as a result. Um, so it's kind of a net positive virtuous cycle. So when you're talking about being able to work for extended periods of time um, because of, you know, really your your mindset and, and being in that right state, would, I guess what are your views on on flow, right? And is is this uh, akin to flow? Or is it, it would, you, would you call it the same thing? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. There's a there's a book called Deep Work by Cal Newton that talks about the importance of having extended periods of concentrated work. Yes. Um, I actually have Wednesdays and Fridays that I typically don't go into the gym mm -hmm. and I wake up at my body's leisure when it tells me it's time to wake up and the, the entire day is meditative for me. I focus typically on one project. Mm -hmm. um, you know, recently uh, it was been, been, you know, rebuilding a website. Uh, I learned GarageBand the other day. Yeah. I spent the entire day learning it um, and how to, you know, how to edit podcasts and, you know, fade in and out music. But having a, a, a long stint of just absolute flow is really where I thrive the most. Uh, the first book I wrote, I actually wrote in two straight days. Where wow. I literally locked myself up. I was living in a two-bedroom apartment. I locked myself up in my house, and I was like, I'm not working. I'm not going out. I'm not answering my phone. And I just sat and I typed for two straight days. And, it, it like, I, I thrive in those times. I love I really that. thrive. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, flow is something I've experienced a little bit myself, and I've spoken to it on, on my station as well. And, you know, for those who haven't explored it or who haven't tried it or haven't experienced it, uh, it, it is something that with, you know, the right conditions, I mean, you, you know what seems to be necessary in your life to promote that, that mindset. And I think for everyone, it's maybe similar but different. It's something I, I'd highly advocate. It isn't just a nice feeling per se, but it's a, a window of extreme productivity. And I, I find sometimes a, almost a oneness with, with your work. And that, at, you know, at the end of it, 
it's somewhat a, a tour de force, right? At the end of it, you look back at those two days, maybe exhausted, maybe your fingers have fallen off when you sort of consciously come back to, uh, to, to realizing what you've just done. But I find at the end of states like that, and, and perhaps you find the same thing, there's a, perhaps a, a bit of a sense of awe that you are capable of, of that kind of feat in such a short period of time. And I don't know, I, I think we all underestimate ourselves in, in that regard. What, yeah, you know, you're right. It's, we do underestimate ourselves. And I think the, the thing that, that really begs to be mentioned at this moment is when you allow yourself to get in that state of flow, you're getting out of your own way and something starts working through you. And my, my cousin, my cousin's always been an incredibly gifted um, artist, always. I mean, at, at like the age of five, he drew the character from Dragon Ball Z in full detail with sidewalk chalk on the sidewalk at the park. Yeah. And my jaw just like dropped. And so, you know, he was telling me, because he went to art school and he, he does uh, graphic design and he does the, um, the environments for video games. So he looks at all the details of life and he brings them into video games. And one of the things that he said to me was they taught him in school right. that when you get into a state of flow, it's almost like some, some creative being begins to work through you and moves your fingers and moves your mind to exactly where it needs to go. It's, it's almost like instead of feeling like we have to come up with the words, right? The only reason why we ever get writer's block or we ever get stopped is because we overthink the process. Right. In that moment, if we give whatever that higher power is within us, it could just be the higher version of you, giving that power to create through the current version of ourselves, what comes out of our fingers is so much bigger and so much more powerful than we in the current state could have ever come up with. But we have to figure out how to get out of our own way. Right, and while our prefrontal cortex and a lot of the, the conscious thought is is really helpful and relevant for some very practical and tangible ways you know i i don't truly believe and i i say this as a quantitative person right uh who if anything should have a bias towards that it seems like we don't really give ourselves enough opportunity to to explore what else might be out there and to explore what we're capable of when we let our subconscious or unconscious mind really create you know through us if we just let go of that degree of control we're trying to have and just see what happens, right? Because I think that is as much a part of us as the the consciously aware part is. Does that you use you use the word augment? I do. I use calibrate, right? So from that perspective, what I do is I think of the future version of me who's already succeeded in whatever it is that I'm looking at doing, right? Whatever right. goal I've set for myself. And so what I do is I I work to calibrate my thoughts, my habits, my behaviors, my beliefs to that future version of me. Mm -hmm. And in, in doing so, if I'm in that state of flow, what I'm doing is I'm acknowledging that she already exists somewhere in the universe. And I'm giving her permission to work through me. You know, and, and I think in that just imaginative state, that's something that I teach my clients to do because if that version of you has... It, you know, we always say hindsight is twenty twenty. So if that future version of you knows what you're currently experiencing better than you do, if that future version of you knows how to conquer whatever it is that you're struggling with, if that future version of you knows how to step up her game or his game, why not ask that future version of you for help? Instead of what would so-and-so do, it's like, what would I do 
if I were looking back on this moment, having already succeeded, right? And it's it's powerful too. I mean, there are a lot of cliches and the like, but people perhaps don't understand the the breadth of really what it could mean. So the idea of visualizing your success, right? This isn't necessarily just a, a nice to have, but what it does, in my belief, and I think it ties in with what you're saying here, is that it breaks down some of the walls or some of the resistance you might have to that actually being possible, right? And by visualizing it, you don't just see the end goal, but it's hard not to immediately start thinking about how what the path might look like to get there. And you know that in itself, right, helps you take that next step from wherever you are. And in your circumstance, you know, asking that future you for for advice or for the hindsight that you could benefit from, you know, now in the moment, believing that you've already succeeded. And this is you living through that path, right? Like that's a, that seems extremely positive as well, right? So I guess before we sort of wrap up here, I wanted to ask you, what kind of change do you want to see in in the world, and you know, I, I mean this more so from you know the individual clients that you help and that you work with. You know, beyond yourself, where would you like to see culture going and society going? It's mm. a really good question. Um, I think what I would really like to see is people stepping into their truest and highest power uh, instead of blaming circumstances in the outside world for their suffering. Uh, I would like to see people owning what they're creating in their life and better understanding how their projections are creating the world that we're experiencing right now. Uh, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, you know, in, in order to see change, we must be the change. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, that's what I work on on a consistent basis. It's obvious that you do work on it well and, and that you put a lot of... Actually, I'm not even certain if it is necessarily effort full for you now. I mean, you make it seem so natural. Uh, not as much. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I know that you have put in a, a ton of effort to, to get yourself to the point where you are, are leading and inspiring. And, you know, you, I'm sure you are working hard on, on your next frontier. But, you know, you've made the next couple steps for us, uh, I think, easier and clearer and, and you know, achievable and attainable. So, um, you know, for that, I thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Great. I appreciate that. So with that, maybe we'll close off by, can you let us know uh, and, and our audience know where they can find you? Yep. I'm pretty much on every social media platform. You can find me on Facebook, um, either Ambassador for Goodness or Alita McDaniel. Uh, you can also find me on Snapchat at Alita McDaniel. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I've got many accounts everywhere and then also on Anchor. Great. Um, and I'm also on iTunes. <laughs> Phenomenal. Perfect. Well, you're helping as many people uh, as you can. I, I love that. Thank you. Great. I'm doing my best. Uh, so thank you very, very much for, uh, for joining me today. It's been a pleasure speaking with you and learning from you. And I, I know that uh, others who are listening will have learned a lot too. With that, uh, just, I guess, a, a final comment to, to those listening. You know, Alita, in my mind, is, is someone who's very much living intentionally. She, she has found her purpose. It has not been without struggle. It has not been without work and effort. But she knows where she's going. She is able to help people find their own way. And you very much can. And, uh, you know, I highly encourage you to, uh, to connect with Alita. And, you know, I listen to what she has to say. Uh, she is extremely passionate and, and quite knowledgeable. And this interview touches on really just the tip of the iceberg in terms of her experience and the wealth of knowledge that allows us each to, to come into our own. Thanks very much, Alita. Thank you. Yeah. 
and have a have a wonderful day. You as well. Thank you.